are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. I mentioned last week that I am speaking today on the subject, leftovers. Leftovers. And I would guess that maybe some of you have some Thanksgiving leftovers in your refrigerator. Thanksgiving is, I don't think there's an official poll made, but I I would guess my best estimation is that Thanksgiving is one of the top leftover days of the year. It's one of the only days that you seem to plan and prepare too much food. So you can have leftovers at night, and the following days. Nothing like that second round of food during Thanksgiving, that third round or fourth round that happens every year, that turkey sandwich that ends up being made with mayonnaise on it or some other item that you just kind of blend together to make some some element of food. I don't even know. You don't even have a name for it. You just start mixing foods together. It's just something about Thanksgiving that points us towards leftovers. Leftovers are a sign that you had more than enough. It's really a sign and a symbol of prosperity and happiness. No one likes to go to a party and you're worried that you might run out of food. If you're a host of a party, some of you hosted Thanksgiving, you don't just fix enough. You try to have more than enough. The other day, we went to La Rosa's, and it was just the LS5 and the Sizemore 4, Andrew, Kate, Avery, and Asher. And let me tell you, Asher is a party all to himself. Even with the little party that we had, nine of us, four of which were under 12, Pastor Kristen, in true Norman Pasley II fashion, ordered not one, not two, not three, but four large pizzas for those nine people, four of which were 12 and under. Needless to say, we had some leftovers. But no one likes to run out of food at the party, and let me state emphatically today, we serve a God that is a God of more than enough. He doesn't just barely give us what we need. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. We serve a God who is a God of more than enough. Jesus showed this principle to his disciples when on several occasions that he was the God of more than enough. And he gathered with thousands of people and he recognized on several occasions that these groups of people were hungry. And so he takes a small portion of food, some loaves of bread and some fish. And on one occasion with 4,000 people, 
he breaks the bread and he, he takes the bread, he blesses the bread, he breaks the bread and he gives it out. And as he's giving it out, he doesn't just give it out to the thousands and it runs out with the thousands. No, he gives the bread to the thousands and still there are leftovers because he's a God of more than enough. Seven baskets left over on one occasion and 12 baskets left over on another occasion. You see, the symbol of his power was not just in that he fed thousands. He was able to feed thousands. But he, the, the symbol of his power was that with each small portion that was put in his hands, he had the power to not just create enough, but he had the power to create leftovers. The leftovers revealed who he was, that he was the bread of life and that he was more than enough. Can I help somebody today and tell you, you'll never get all of Jesus. You'll never get just enough of Jesus to deplete his power. You can never have so much of Jesus that he would run out of wisdom. And you could never have so much of Jesus that he would run out of his love. No, he's a God of more than enough. You can reach for him as many times as you need him and he'll be there and some. He is more than enough. And if you've ever found Jesus, you have found the sustainer of life And not just this life, but he's a God of more than enough. He's the sustainer of eternal life. And here's what I want you to know. There is a miracle in the leftovers. The miracle in the leftovers is possible because it's the same substance as the original serving. It doesn't change. There's a story in the Old Testament about a prophet who asked a woman, he, he, he asked her, tell me what you have in your house. And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. It's just a little bit of oil that's left over from a, a, another meal. And he said to her, go outside, borrow vessels from your neighbors, empty the vessels, and get as many as you can get. And when they had gotten them, they began to take that little leftover oil and began to pour it in the vessel. And guess what? There was miracles in the leftovers. And they kept pouring and pouring and pouring. And the scripture says, when the vessels were full, she said to her son in verse 6 of chapter 4 of 2 Kings, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. It stopped because there was no need for it. And there is enough oil for every vessel. No one's going to take all that God has for us. There's going to be plenty for everyone because God is a God of more than enough. There was a Gentile mother who came to Jesus about her child who was demon-possessed and begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. And Jesus said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, yes, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And Jesus said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. Her faith believed 
that it didn't matter, that it was crumbs on the floor, that it was leftovers from the bread. I heard Aunt Sam, Pastor Sam Emery say one time, if there's healing in the loaf, there is healing in the crumbs. We serve a God that is a God of more than enough. And there's a miracle in leftovers. And I believe today that if you absolutely need the Lord in your life, that you serve a God who can come to any situation, any place you are, and he can work a miracle in your life. He can work a miracle of salvation in your life in spite of your failures and your fears and and the things that you've done. You can find a miracle in him because you'll never get to the end of Jesus's power and his grace and his mercy. Well, hallelujah. So I want to just encourage you today. If you need the Lord, if you need something in your life, you serve a God of more than enough. I feel at this moment to pray for you. I'm going to continue in just a moment, but I want to pray for you in this moment. Some of you have a need. Some of you have some things in your life, and you're wondering if God has what it takes, and I'm telling you, he's a God of more than enough. I want to pray for you now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice, everyone watching, Lord, those who feel, God, like they're in a situation where they're not sure if your ability is real for them. I pray, God, right now that you would work the miraculous. God, we might only bring a little bit of faith to the table, but Lord, faith is faith, and it is enough. Lord, if we have faith the grain, the size of the grain of a mustard seed, you said we could move mountains. It doesn't have to be a lot, Lord, because the substance is the same. I pray, oh God, that you would intervene in our lives today. Work a miracle in somebody's heart today. Call somebody to a place of mercy, Lord, where they can find your abundant love, your joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let me shift gears. We're going to climb a mountain, a small mountain today. And I need to shift gears. And You may want to fasten your seatbelt. We understand that God is a God of more than enough. And I want to ask the question, does our life reflect God's leftovers? Does your life demonstrate God's ability to do more than we can ask or think? I want to challenge the Calvary Church today in a very specific way. That we need to make room in our lives for leftovers. In your fridge right now, you might have some leftovers. But what about in your expression of faith? I submit to you today that leftovers are a sign of blessing. Leftovers are a sign that we have more than enough. Now, God instituted several ways in which people would be reminded to see him as the God of leftovers, to see him as the God of more than enough. And one of those ways was in how we used our resources and possessions and money. 
When God puts things in our hands, what does it say about God and what does it say about our relationship with God? Our money is a picture of our lives. It is what defines us. It is what identifies us. It's what empowers us and provides for us and sustains us. It motivates us and it comforts us. God isn't unaware of this. In fact, Jesus addresses money often in Scripture trying to help us understand how we should relate and interact with money. And more importantly, I would add that Jesus used the example of money to demonstrate spiritual principles. Money is the window of our hearts. How we use our money and our resources is really a picture of our hearts. 11 of Jesus' 39 parables written in the Gospels uses the subject of money. But Jesus wasn't always just teaching on the subject of money, but rather he was using the idea of money to demonstrate a spiritual point because he knew how much we cared and related to money. Here is the truth about money that I believe. It is a mirror into our hearts. Money reveals our hearts. And what we do with our money and our resources tells us what our priorities are. And let me quickly talk about giving. This will not be exhaustive, but I pray that it will encourage some of you If you're not a giver, to be a giver. Consider being a giver. For those of you who are givers, it'll encourage you that you're doing the right thing. I pray that I motivate some of you to get your lifestyle in order and create a capacity for giving. And I want to empower some of you to live a life of generosity that creates multiplied generational blessing. When I say blessing... In context to giving, it is easy to assume that this means financial prosperity. I want to make it clear that I am not saying that by giving, you will be rich. Now, I am very aware of stories of how God has provided unexpected income and financial miracles when people give sacrificially and faithfully, and I believe that can happen. However, I see more than anything from those who are faithful in their giving to the Calvary Church, the intangible blessing of favor, opportunity, and peace. Giving doesn't insulate you from difficult times, but it does insulate you from the ability of the enemy to have victory in your life. And so giving should be an act of the will rooted in faith. Our giving, our generosity should be an act of the will rooted in faith. Giving is the window of our heart. And I want, to know, I want you to know I absolutely believe that God takes notice of our giving. Scripture tells us that Jesus, in Luke, Mark chapter 12, 41, sat down opposite the treasury, and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. Jesus sat there and watched them. 
Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had and all she had to live on. He took notice of the giving. Giving reveals our faith in God because it reveals our priority and it reveals our sincerity and it reveals our level of commitment and it reveals our level of contentment. When God gave the children of Israel instruction on their possessions in Leviticus, he told them, First, he said, or one element of this giving was speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruit of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. This giving of first fruits was a response to the very first fruit that the land produced during that harvest season. Similar to the firstborn son in the Old Testament, the first fruit of the vine for the season of harvest or the first sheaf of the harvest during the season was to be set aside and given to the Lord via the priest before any of the remaining harvest was to be enjoyed for personal pleasure. They were to give a first fruit, what came first out of the ground. They were to designate that they had confidence that God would sustain them for the entire harvest. And not only was this instruction given about their very first fruit that was produced, but also the first tenth of all the harvest was to be set aside and given as an offering to the Lord. Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30 says, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruits of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. The tithe or the tenth or 10% of what was harvested each time they worked through the field throughout the entire season was to be given to the Lord via the priest before any harvest would be enjoyed for personal pleasure. It was off the top. Tithing was commanded as a demonstration of the children of Israel's belief in God because it reflected the power, the God's power and ability to be the sustainer of life. It was evidence of the priority of God in their life. It was a reflection of their heart. Did they really trust God? Here are some examples in action in 2 Chronicles 31.6. The people of Israel and Judah who lived in the cities of Judah also brought in the tithe of cattle and sheep and the tithe of the dedicated things that had been dedicated to the Lord their God and laid them in heaps. In Nehemiah chapter 13 verse 12, all Judah brought the tithe of the grain, the wine, and oil into the storehouses was something that reflected their belief in their priority that God was number one. And it would be the prophet Malachi, Malachi who admonished the children of Israel, will you rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? 
in tithe and contribution. You are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine and the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord. Tithing was represented in the Old Testament as a sign and a symbol of their confidence and trust in God. And here is what I want you to understand about first fruits and tithing that we encourage and participate in today at the Calvary Church. The tithe and the first fruit were to be given before anything else was to be consumed. These were offerings dedicated to the Lord to acknowledge God as the provider and the sustainer. And it showed that God could be trusted with their future. And may I state clearly today, if you do not make tithing a discipline in your spiritual life, I believe you are missing out on a powerful and I would add vital act of faith in your relationship with God. Our giving reveals the measure and maturity of our faith. How you handle your money reveals the measure and the maturity of your faith. Money is pretty important to most people, and I think it's probably the most important thing in our American culture. And to me, it would be illogical to think that what we do with our money doesn't matter to God. And so I believe and I teach at this church that tithing should be done before we do anything else with our money. I personally believe we should tithe on the gross of our income and not the net. I believe it reflects more accurately the spiritual principle that God will provide and that God is first in our life. Before the government gets theirs, before the utility company gets theirs, before the bank gets theirs, God is first. Giving demonstrates and tithing demonstrates our heart's priority. However, I want to submit to you another component of giving that may be less understood, but I believe is just as valid. It is the principle of leftovers. Not only were the children of Israel tasked with giving before they consumed any of the harvest through the first fruit and tithe, but they were told to give after they had consumed or taken their harvest. Now, how could this happen? God would tell the children of Israel in Leviticus 19, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. They were told to leave some margin. Leave some extra. Leave something else. However, this time, this wasn't just going to the priest for the benefit of the worshiper. This was going towards the poor and the sojourner. The poor, the underprivileged, the widow, the orphan, the sojourner, the foreigner, the stranger, the outcast. 
And the reality of this contribution was that, that it was intended to go to someone who would not be able to provide any blessing or any benefit to the person giving it. It was an offering of leftovers, and it was an offering for left outs. It was an offering of leftovers, and it was an offering for left outs. Like first fruits and tithing, it revealed their faith. However, unlike first fruits and tithing, it was given after they had consumed enough for themselves. It was an offering that simply demonstrated that they served a God of more than enough. God told them in Deuteronomy, you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this thing, this thing. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field and you, you shall not go back to get it, it shall be for the stranger, the fatherless and the widow that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not glean it after. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless and the widow and you shall Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this thing. In other words, leave something behind. Don't consume everything because it tells you and it tells society that you serve a God that is more than enough. Remember how he brought you out of slavery. Remember how much you spent on your lifestyle before you came to God. Remember how much money you spent on liquor and drugs and gambling and pleasures of this world. When you and I don't consume everything we have and leave some leftovers, we reflect that God is a God of more than enough. Not only is God enough, Another major difference was that this leftover offering was not for their own spiritual welfare or their own spiritual benefit, but it was for those who would not be able to repay the kindness of generosity. It was an offering with no expectations. It was an offering with no return address. It is generosity in its purest form. And it's an offering that reflects the perspective of Christ that we all have benefited from. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus gathered with some wealthy Pharisees and he would say to a man who had invited him, who had some money and the capacity for leftovers, he said to the man who invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends and your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbor, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. This kind of blessing comes because you get nothing in return. Only at the resurrection will you see payment, not in this life. 
Sounds like what Christ did for us. I can't repay his kindness. So tithing reveals our priority, having leftovers, not consuming, not keeping our, for ourselves everything we make reveals our level of contentment. And Paul told Timothy, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing with these, we shall or we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many, many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction, people chasing money. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Contentment is powerful. May I challenge us that if through the love of money we can wander from faith, I would submit that through the love of giving we can grow and demonstrate our faith. Generosity and giving is the way by which we demonstrate our priority, our sincerity, and our contentment. You see, we could consume everything that we have. We have the capacity, and it's kind of celebrated and expected that we do everything we can to get money and to consume it. But consuming everything that we make, I would argue, demonstrates our lack of faith in God. In Luke chapter 12, 15, Jesus said, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared Whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I'm submitting to the Calvary Church today that our commitment to tithing is vital, is as vital as it's ever been. And I would add that our willingness and our intentionality to not consume and keep everything we make is just as vital. We have a leftover opportunity. And I would submit that that opportunity is our missions giving. I am appealing today for you to make room for missions. An offering given to those who are underprivileged and unknown. It is giving that we may never see a reward from in this life. It is giving that we may never get a thank you from those it benefits. 
but it's powerful and it's vital because it allows us to always remember that we used to be ensnared in sin and enslaved, but Jesus rescued us without any expectation that we would repay him. Every week that you give to missions, you can remember how Christ brought you out. Every month we give to missions, we remember how Christ never gave up on us. Every year that we give to the harvest offering, we remember how Christ loved us when we were wandering. Without going into a lot of detail as I close, there's a story in scripture in the book of Ruth and it gives us the glimpse of the power of leftovers. In the story, Ruth was a widow and she was from a foreign land called Moab. and She found herself in need of help. And so her mother-in-law and her returned from the country of Moab and went to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. And through her mother-in-law, Ruth came to understand that she could glean from a field if they would have some leftovers. And so Ruth tells her mother-in-law, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain because she knew about the law of the leftover. And so she set out, went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to a part of the field belonging to a man named Boaz. And while she was picking up the leftovers off the ground, Boaz, the owner of the field, meets her, and he shows her kindness. He's so impressed with her that he invites her to a meal that evening, and at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some leftover. Boaz demonstrated that he was more than enough. Not only did he satisfy her, but she had some leftover. So the next day, Ruth was back in the field, and the scripture says, when she arose to glean, she was back there picking off the ground, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves. Do not reproach her. Also, pull out some of the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. She was able to pick from the field, and Boaz decided, You know what? I think I have a little bit more leftovers than I realized. I'll go ahead and leave some extra. And Boaz might not thought, have thought much about leftovers that day. Oh, I'm just helping her out. But his decision to make room for leftovers produced a blessing that would have generational impact. You see, he would end up marrying Ruth. And they would have a son. And that son's name was Obed. And Obed would have a child named Jesse. And Jesse would have a child named David. And it would be through the lineage of Boaz and Ruth that Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, would come all over some leftovers in a field. A man who decided, I'm not going to consume everything I could. I'm not going to just store up everything that's rightfully mine. No, I'm going to leave some leftovers. 
And I'm appealing to the Calvary Church to consider your field. What is your field producing and where is it going? Are you consuming everything you're taking in? Are you grabbing everything that you take and keeping it to yourself? Or does your giving reflect a life of faith in God? Does it reflect the priority of who God is in your tithing? And does it reflect your contentment that you don't need everything that God puts in your hand that you have room for leftovers. Calvary Church is a church that is founded with giving, missions giving as our priority. And to this day, it remains vital to everything we do. And I believe that we are able to be a blessing to people all over the world who will never meet when we get, make capacity for leftovers. I'm thankful this year that the Calvary Church, out of 130 churches in Ohio, we were fourth in the state, in the United Pentecostal Church. Out of 4,819 churches in the United Pentecostal Church in North, North America, the Calvary Church, out of almost 5,000 churches, was the 62nd largest giving church to missions. We support monthly over 33 missionaries, direct support to missionaries. We support three North American missionaries in the United States besides the city of Cincinnati. Over 12 local organizations in our city we give money to to help them reach and provide support to those who are poor and those who are in need. TCC, your missions giving is literally making a difference around the world. From the first missionary we supported, James and Martha Burton in 1968, to our most recent missionaries, the McGehays, the Fulmers, and Trisha Ball, TCC is consistently investing in things that are beyond our benefit. And in 2021, I am believing that we will continue to see miraculous giving. Giving that represents our commitment to not just things that impact our lives here because I come to the Calvary Church, but giving that impacts people I will never meet. And so I'm... Um, making an appeal to you today to make room for leftovers in your life. What capacity do you have to provide for those you don't know? Our goal this year is to have a monthly missions pledge offering of $10,000 a month. And I am believing for a one-time harvest offering. I'm believing for extraordinary faith in December of this year of $100,000. Half of it will be sending to fund global projects. Half of it will be used to start another church. And that church is in Oxford, Ohio. We need to raise a substantial amount of money to see this church get off the ground. And I am believing that God will help us 
do it. I believe there are some leftovers that will be more than enough. This is a picture of the building that we're looking to have our services in to begin. And I'm believing that we will see the miracle in the leftovers. This coming Sunday is Missions Weekend. We'll be sending you information this week. And we want to see a remarkable effort in giving. So I'm just asking for the leftovers. I'm asking for what you don't need to live on, but you're willing to give. We are going to be generous to our missionaries that are going to be present. Our district superintendent's going to be with us. I believe that we're going to see something extraordinary happen with leftovers. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for faith today. God, I come to you, God, sincerely, God, believing that what is possible is beyond anything that we've yet to see at the Calvary Church. God, there are miracles that are among us, and there are miracles in the leftovers. And it may seem, Lord, like we're just giving God something that's token or something that's insignificant, Lord, but if we'll trust you with the leftover, I absolutely believe that you will provide a miracle. God, I thank you for Calvary's legacy of giving. Calvary's legacy of missions giving. God, there is no telling how many people's lives have been impacted by the giving effort of over 50 years of this church. And Lord, I'm praying that this generation would rise up and say, we are willing to carve out some of our field. We will not consume everything we could consume. We will not take everything we could take because, God, we want to reflect the faith that we have in you, that you are a God of more than enough. What you've given us, Lord, is more than enough to sustain us. And, Lord, our life and our lifestyle will reflect that. God, I pray for faith. I pray for faith, God, to rise up. And, God, whatever we put in your hand, whatever we put in your hand, God, it will be enough. Lord, I thank you, God. I thank you, God, for your presence. I thank you for the call in the pool that is in our lives today. I pray, Lord, that you would do the extraordinary through us. In the name of Jesus. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.